Welcome to Ask a Relationship Coach Podcast. Here today with my husband, Bryce. Good to be here, Jen. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. Bryce is back from Colorado. I mentioned on my last podcast that you were there doing some intensive mm-hmm. relationship coaching training. Very intense. Yeah. Is there anything you want to share with all of us? Well, it's through the relationship school out of Boulder, Colorado with Jason Gaddis, and he's like my number one mentor at this point in my career. He's worth checking out. They have the Smart Couple podcast, which is also really good. If there's one thing that stuck out, I don't think I've realized how much I withhold from people. And so we did an exercise where some of the people in the class were asked if they feel like I keep them at a distance a bit and everyone raised their hand. And I was really blown away by that. And I think that's a strategy that I've had for most of my life. So part of my work was going up to people and telling them, hey, I'm avoiding you. I'm avoiding eye contact because of this, that, and the other, usually some fear or something that's happened, or I just don't know why. So just realizing how that maps onto my day-to-day life is really interesting and how that withholding of what's actually going on in me, this pattern, really doesn't serve me and I want to let go of it and change it, but it's scary. Thanks for sharing so honestly. I was picturing me sitting here looking at you and imagining all the listeners as people sitting next to me and we're all listening to you share and just feeling really honored that you'd share with all of us. Yeah, I just figured, yeah, just get really real. Like I'm learning how to coach, but the secondary benefit is I'm really learning how to show up more as myself by doing this type of relationship coaching. I love it. And I've just loved how much it's impacted our relationship for the better. And then how much that impact has helped me in my coaching as well. Yeah, And and I think there's maybe a note here, something to bookmark, is that if you're on the self-development path and if you know that you are, then then you will probably have an idea of what you're working on day to day, week to week. So if you're like, I don't know what I'm working on, it can be really helpful to get clear on at least one area where you're really challenging yourself and really looking into whatever that is. So thank you to everyone here who is challenging yourself at least sometimes in relationships by just being on this podcast and listening to Bryce and I answer questions. After 13 years as a marriage and family therapist, I love being able to get on here and answer questions as a relationship coach and often have Bryce here with me sharing his insights. As far as announcements, we have now the Facebook group up and going. So if you're interested, check it out. Just search Ask a Relationship Coach. There's a podcast group and you just request to join the group and answer a couple of questions. Gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And that's how you get into the group. And it's just a really great place to have these conversations and start to dive a little bit deeper into relationship conversations on a day-to-day basis. I would add too that I do see a lot of these groups out there and the benefit to this one is that we're going to keep it safe, informed, and fun. Yep. So it is a private group and even though Bryce and I don't have control over what everybody says in the group, we will continue to kind of loop back around to how to stay focused on what's most important in your questions. Okay, and then Bryce also has some men's groups going. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, probably starting another one in February. There's a lot of interest, so I'm not sure what time of day or day, but if you're interested, it's only for men right now. We cap it at six, so you probably want to reach out really soon to me at Bryce at BryceBauer.com to get signed up, and we'll be starting here probably in a couple weeks. Great. And Bryce and I are closing on a house tomorrow. We're going to be moving to a new area. 
and we're just feeling excited to start creating some live connections with people and having more live events and in-person opportunities to gather. So we'll definitely keep you posted on all of that. Yeah, four months on the road, ready to move in and nest. Yes, I am feeling the same. Okay, so today's question comes from a listener that I'm gonna call curious because I really like the curiosity in her question here. I like that she's asking about this topic. And so- um, I thought that was your name. (laughs) Bryce thinks I use the word curious a lot. And so sometimes I get nicknamed curious as well. So this is like one of my curious twins. Mm -hmm. So thank you so, so much for writing in a question. And also we're going to start putting the question on the show notes so that you can follow along if you want. Some questions are shorter. This one's actually a longer question. So if you want context as we're going through, feel free to check out the show notes for that. Okay, so here's the question. Curious asks, I've realized that I've got some considerable trauma responses, in parentheses, disassociative disorders, close parentheses, to work through, and it's heavy lifting. Feeling so out of body and feeling so uncomfortable with intimacy can make romantic relationships really difficult to navigate for lots of reasons. Discomfort over physical and emotional intimacy can become so strong that a desire to escape, in parenthesis, end the relationship, close parenthesis, becomes overpowering. I find myself fighting this urge to bolt until the discomfort and pressure become so great, and then I break up just to have some sense of comfort and self-control again. In a situation where intimacy alone can trigger strong feelings of aversion, I'm concerned that I can't trust my discernment about whether someone is a good, healthy match. In a scenario where PTSD, hypersensitivity, isn't an issue, it seems a person could trust their sense of intuition more reliably and would use the alarmed feeling to recognize red flags or danger slash caution. In a situation like mine, where the alarm setting is always on, I don't have a good emotional litmus test and don't want to just rely on logic or rational assessment to determine the suitability of a dating partner. I need an emotional intuitive compass, but mine doesn't offer a lot of clarity and I end up feeling confused, unsafe, and distressed in most romantic relationships. In the past, I attributed this pattern of short, deeply uncomfortable relationships to the idea that I haven't met the right one yet. At age 40, I'm realizing the issue is likely more about my own comfort in my body than it is about the person I'm dating in general. There's also a good chance that picking an emotionally safe person to date at the outset is also not working well enough, given my lack of unreliable intuition in this area. What are some ways to think about this that I haven't considered? One strategy is to avoid intimate relationships altogether. Another is to avoid them until I don't have any issues with hypersensitivity or panic. I realize I have a lot of healing work in front of me. I sometimes think I should leave dating until I'm further along this path. Neither of these seem realistic. Thoughts? I really like this question for a few reasons. I think one of the things I really like about this question is she says something that I think a lot of people think um, without even being aware of it. And it's something interesting to explore. And let me see if I can find it. She says, I don't have a good emotional litmus test and don't want to just rely on logic or rational assessment to determine the suitability of a dating partner. So I really liked that. And I didn't catch it the first time I read it, but as I was reading through it this time, that sentence really stood out to me because I think this is something a lot of us are working on in different areas of our life, relationships being one area, which is how do we navigate the difference between emotion and logic and how do we use both? 
And what is each aspect's purpose? What is the purpose of emotion and how do we use it effectively? What is the purpose of logic and how do we use it effectively? Because for someone who's been through trauma, this can feel very confusing. But I think it's actually an area where even without trauma, if you don't understand the difference between these two, you can actually get tripped up in ways that you may not know is connected to not understanding the difference between logic and emotion. So I feel excited to answer this question for that reason. And I can dive in more, but I'm okay sitting back for a minute too. Yeah, this is really fun for me to do. I'm remembering why I like answering questions is because it's just like a puzzle. And it's fun to me, even though this might not be a fun situation. So just noticing what happens as I read the question is like, there's a lot of information there and there's a lot of titles and there sounds like there's a lot of pain. So I notice myself feeling overwhelmed by the question. And I'm guessing that just feeling into this, writing this question, having these questions circling in the listener's head is also really overwhelming. So I think that might be the first place to go is like, how can we just make this feel less overwhelming? And I think simplifying is going to be helpful for this person just based on all that they have going on. So even though this is really complex, we can hold both. There's some complexity here, but also bringing in some of the simplicity I think that we can speak to. I would love that. And maybe if we were to address the complexity piece first, because I think I already went there a bit, to acknowledge that there are so many ways we could probably go with this question. And so if you were to be standing in front of us curious, I would say, we're gonna do our best, but I also understand that there's a lot to this question. And we're just gonna pick and choose the things that stand out to each of us. Yeah, so, and I'm seeing that at the bottom, it really is about, should I, date or should I not date? And I would walk it back just a step further or maybe a layer deeper and go, why do you want to date in the first place? What do you want in your life? So if you're thinking, yeah, I want a partner and I want a family or I just want a life partner and someone to be there because I feel really alone, that does make sense. But my guess is there's probably a deeper meaning there that you could attach to that will make this whole process feel more meaningful. And might also help guide you as you as you bump up against things that you'd call flags or emotional discomfort. And having a clarity of desire and why you're wanting to date might help with being able to move through some of those things. Yeah, and I'm thinking about my own purpose and some of the agreements we created, which I do have agreements that speak to us together. But ultimately, in this life, because you could die, you could leave, you know, lots of things could happen. I'm in this relationship because I want to learn more about myself and grow as a person. So no matter what Jenny does, no matter how much she triggers me, no matter if she leaves or dies, I'm always turning it back to me. And that would work the same way if I was still dating. Because if I'm trying to attach some goal at the end of a relationship that with someone I've just met, I'm already putting a ton of pressure on the relationship. Instead of really going with my gut, taking in the information, looking inside. Using the skills along the way. Yeah, learning and growing. Yeah, so I'm just thinking about how much pressure you may be putting on yourself and having this expectation that whoever you meet needs to be the one or needs to do a certain thing instead of really being in the moment and like, what do I have to gain? And if it doesn't feel safe, you can back away. I think that it's super important to trust your gut on this one. And there's nothing wrong. Even if you're continually dating and continually feeling like you want to run away, it's more information. It doesn't mean that you're stuck. You might have to do this multiple times before you really get the golden nugget of wisdom, why you do what you do. And my guess is that whatever's happening, there's a really super intelligent purpose for it, even though you're judging it as is PTSD and this is my trauma and I'm just pushing people away. There's also this 
really wise piece of you that's ingrained in you that's doing something that might be beyond your understanding at this point. Yeah, I really like that. As you say it, I could feel like some warmth moving through my body, like some compassion. There's like already a story that you're not normal here in the question a bit, or that you're out of maybe the the normal spectrum of capacity to navigate intimacy. And even though that might be true in some ways, I also would ask you to check that because even people who come from really, quote, loving homes, and I think Bryce probably has seen this too. I don't know. You can confirm whether you have or not, but at least for me, one of the things I've seen is that even when people come from really loving homes, people's ability to do intimacy is a very different process than just love. You know, love is like this sense of like, I care about you. I'm here for you. I love you. And that's an important part of any relationship, especially if you're wanting to go deep into partnership. But then there's this intimacy piece, which is, can I face the dark stuff? Can I face the fears? Can I learn to speak up when it's scary? Can I learn to always have my back? So I think that love and intimacy are definitely connected to each other and you can utilize both. But I think a lot of people who come from loving homes and even maybe don't have a lot of trauma can still be actually quite scared of intimacy. Yeah, totally. I mean, everything that you're saying here is in regards to relationships being really difficult. And if we're gonna be really honest with ourselves, they're just really difficult. This might be the most difficult thing that any one of us does is just being in relationship to one another. And it's really hard to work with our nervous systems and really work to handle each other. So if you're running into a bunch of people that you don't feel like really know how to handle your nervous system, that's really normal. I think that's the status quo. Yeah. So I had, um, as we were going through this question, I had a visual pop up of a friend I once had and he got a dog and the dog came from a really abusive background. So even the dog, even though the dog was already older, he had like this really intense trauma response. Like I would go over to this friend's house and I'd go to pet the dog and the dog would back away and then just run out the back door. And over time he'd come back in and then he'd get a little closer to me and then he'd run out the back door. He'd come back in, get a little closer, run out the back door. Maybe by the time I, I left for the evening, he would maybe let me touch him. So, you know, there are certain abuse situations that create trauma responses that are very real. And so when you talk about this disassociative experience, you running away, whether you're actually physically running away or whether you're just in your uh, psyche experience kind of running away, that can be a very real experience when there's been any level of, of harm or pain or abuse. So really allowing that to be a part of your reality, I think is an important piece of the process. And I hear you saying that you're aware of that. So that seems really helpful. And the part that's going to help you if you're wanting to really create a partnership that's safe and loving and intimate is you're going to have to use logic. Because whether or not you have a trauma response, the only way to know the truth about the world outside of you is through logic. Emotion is information for you about you. When you feel afraid, that's information for you about you, that you're not feeling safe. Whether it's actually safe or not, the only way to assess that is through logic. I would say it's okay to respond to your emotion by running away, and at some point what you can start to do is use a logical process to say, okay, I want to run away. That says to me, I don't feel safe. But what's the truth about this actual situation? And am I willing to kind of come back in and explore the truth? 
and do the work I need to do to see what's true about the safety of the situation. Is it actually unsafe or not? And that's still gonna be dependent on what you need to feel safe. Although I would say as humans, most of us have certain needs that are, are just important. So I think logic is gonna be really important here and learning to differentiate between those two is gonna be important. Yeah, and I think we'll reference a lot of duality here and how you're just holding both in a lot of situations. So, and the other thing that's popping up for me here where you might be holding both is you might really have PTSD and hypersensitivity and trauma, but I do notice sometimes people box themselves in and it's a way in some sense to not take ownership and feel empowered in your life. So I would like to challenge you on that. And instead of moving into situations where like I do this because of my da da da, the reframe is I'm choosing to run away from this person because intimacy is scary. I'm choosing to run away because I don't know how I really feel. And reframing this whole, and, and not to shame you, but to really empower you because I think that you might have a lot more power in these situations than you realize. And I wonder, are you okay with me jumping in here? Yeah. I wonder too, because I think one of the things that trauma can do to people is it can like associate things aren't really connected. Like love can get connected with harm. And then someone who's been abused actually looks for someone to harm them again because they've actually connected that in with love. So while abuse has its effect on emotional experience, I think it also has its effect on logic. So I don't know, this is still kind of popping up for me, which is I think people from trauma situations sometimes haven't been given the tools for how to separate out what happened and look at all the pieces in a very logical way. So you might find yourself being drawn to men who are dismissive, maybe a little bit critical, maybe not very emotionally available. So you may find yourself drawn to qualities like that. And so what I say is you wanna check not just the things you feel like you wanna run away from, but you actually wanna pay attention to the things you feel attracted to as well. And just start to use logic to suss that out. And you can always get help from a coach or a therapist to help you piece apart some of those things. Yeah, I think maybe what I am feeling a strong desire for here is for you to be able to trust yourself emotionally, but to know that the emotion doesn't mean always what we think it means about the external world. Sometimes there's a coincidence, like sometimes you feel kind of a little afraid of someone, and then you find out there's reasons logically to feel afraid of them. But you could also feel kind of afraid of someone and have them actually be quite safe. And then it can go the other way. You can feel really drawn to someone who's very safe, but you can also feel very drawn to someone who is not ultimately going to be a safe fit for you. Even though you want to not just use logic, I just, I would really let yourself use that to assess the reality of the situation. Yeah, and it may be that you need to use other people to help you use logic because if your litmus test, your logic feels a bit off, and this is what you're doing right now, you're asking like, what about this? Where, where could I be off? And you might have friends that you trust, or you might have coach therapists that you can go to. But if we're talking about where the rubber's going to hit the road and what you can actually do after listening to this, you can try on all these ideas, but then you want to go out and test them and check in with people and get a, a reality check. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always moving like, well, where's the action here? And I know we've sprinkled across a few. And I think just for anyone who's having some relationship struggles, if you're trying to solve this 100% in your head and not really reaching out for support and getting transparent with people in your life, you're probably not going to make a ton of movement. And I don't know what this listener is doing, 
but learning about relationships, reading books, doing trainings, working with a coach or therapist, being in some type of women's group, all of this, and you wanna do what works, right? So you're trying different things, this works, okay, I'll try something else, that works better, move over there, and constantly move the ball. Mm-hmm. And at least that's my recipe for success in any area of life. Yes, I love that. I also think, you know, if we were to take it back to the emotional piece, like I liked what Bryce talked about earlier, which is really identifying what do I want in a relationship, and then use the emotions to guide you. So the emotions are like the internal guide. So for example, if you get into a situation with someone you're dating and something's not feeling good, if it's not even safe to talk about it, then it's probably not a good relationship to be in. If you can't talk about things and either learn the skills and start practicing talking about things, but if you don't feel like you can talk about things, I, I wouldn't be in relationship. So that would be one piece. But if you feel safe enough to talk about things, if something's feeling off emotionally, then being able to get some information and being able to say something about what I just saw you do or something about what I just saw you say, it brought up a lot of fear in me. And, you know, are you willing to sit and talk about this? Because if I understand you better, then I may be able to say, okay, oh, that thing I was feeling afraid about, I'm actually not feeling afraid of anymore. Now that I understand you better, it actually really feels clear. Other times we'll sit with someone and we'll have a conversation and it'll still kind of not feel totally good. Or we might get patterns that are like, something's just not feeling resolved. So what you want to do is be able to trust yourself that you can stay with that all the way through, even if it means on the other side of it, maybe a breakup. So again, like Bryce was saying, the idea here isn't that we do relationship work so that we can stay together forever. The idea is we do relationship work so that each of us can grow and that if we have a good, safe relationship, the relationship's going to benefit from our growth. And that as the relationship grows, each of us is going to continue to benefit from that and continue to grow. So you want to be able to stay with things. And if if you're with a partner who is not willing to stay with things or who can't handle your emotional stuff, then that's something to look at. Yeah. And I'm thinking about a common thread or theme through all of this, which is Jenny really enjoys this as part of her process is compassion. So really, no matter what's happening in your life, bringing it back to how it really does make sense and it really is okay that this is what happened. So even if you continue to push push away men, it's not going to help you to shame yourself for that. What's going to help is to be open and transparent with people around you and to give yourself a break because, yeah, maybe you were dealt a really difficult hand of cards to play and that's just what's happening right now. And it doesn't mean you're fucked up that you'll never meet a partner, that you'll always feel this way, that you'll never grow, because those might be some of the thoughts that are swirling around that are really causing the stress. It's not so much what's happening right now as you listen to this podcast and that you're in the situation that you're in. It's the stories that come in. It's the shame that's compounding with those stories that tell you that you're not good enough for a partner. You'll never get a partner. You'll always feel this way. If there's anything, I would say it's to really challenge those because I don't think that those are true. And we carry those with us. I do. Everyone I've worked with, I've never met someone who doesn't feel a lot of shame in in this area of their life with relationship. It just brings up so much. I agree. Yeah, that felt really nice, Bryce, actually, to hear you talk about the compassion piece. I could just feel a lot of compassion for me as you were sharing that and a lot of compassion for the question asker and then a lot of compassion for all of the listeners as well. 
So even if you're in a relationship already, maybe you're not in the dating phases anymore, maybe you've been married for 10 years and you now want to learn how to have the hard conversations, you maybe want to learn, okay, how can I talk about the quote red flags I see in my marriage? Whether, whether you're dating or whether you've been in a relationship 10 years or 20 years, it's an important skill for anyone who really wants a deep, committed, connected, long-term relationship to be able to have hard conversations is, is an absolutely essential skill from my perspective. So anyone who's listening, just know wherever you are, even if you've been in your marriage for 10 or 20 years, it's not too late to learn these skills. Yeah, And you're definitely not crazy because I think there's a, only a small percentage of the population that's even interested in this stuff and going deeper and has the awareness that you have to ask a question like this and to go out in the world and really test it. Because if we're thinking about our parents, our parents' parents, and all the generations before we're talking about a lot of unconscious relationships and interactions that we're up against. It isn't just the things that happened in our life or what happened yesterday. We're, we're really confronting a lot, and it's really brave and courageous what you're doing. I agree. Thank you so much for sending in the question. I feel a lot of love for you, yeah. question asker. Yeah, I feel a lot of energy because I want to answer this in so many different ways, and I hope that something there lands. I do too. Okay, we'll be back soon. Okay, see you guys.